This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 25. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here for our 25th show. Woo-hoo! Brandon Turner, my co-host. What on earth do you think about that? That is exciting. 25. That's like a, a quarter of a hundred. It, <laughs> you're such a smart guy. I'm so glad I hired you. <laughs> it's amazing. It's a good number. Lucky it's 25. Good. Lucky 25. Yeah, no, it's great. I'm glad we, uh, we've come this far and, and we continue to educate and help uh, thousands and thousands of people each week. You know, the, uh, the, the emails we get and the, uh, the, the introductions on the site from people who found us through the podcast, it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm honored. Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I'm actually, the podcast is probably our number one referral of traffic nowadays. I'm not sure, but from the new member introductions anyway, like majority of them say they found us through, through the podcast, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, if you have found us from the podcast, make sure you jump in on the site for today's quick Quick tip. Yeah, Yeah, just jump in and introduce yourself if you haven't done that already. Uh, Because the cool thing about that is the second you jump in and introduce yourself uh, on on our new member forums, uh, you'll have all these people who... Uh, are going to say hi. And and in particular, if you're like, hey, I'm John from Buffalo, anybody who has keyword alerts set up for the word Buffalo, which are going to be local investors, they're going to jump in and they're going to welcome you. So it's one of the greatest ways for starting to build up your local network is is introducing yourself. Uh, but uh, anyway, so yeah, listen, I mean, uh, for, for today's show, we, we thought we'd try something a little different here and, and uh, we hope you guys all like it. Uh, we've got a totally different kind of podcast, uh, something we haven't done before. T- today, we're, we're not just talking with one real estate investor, but we're actually talking with four different investors who've all just recently completed their very first deal in real estate. Uh, so, so far on the show, we've actually had some of the best and brightest minds in, in real estate. And while they're all doing really incredible things with their investments, a lot of people don't want to know how to wholesale 30 houses they want to learn how to wholesale that first deal. Uh, so our guests today, they're all relatively new to real estate. And what they're going to do is they're going to tell us their story is how, uh, their stories of how they did uh, that first deal, which they literally just closed, uh, the lessons they learn, and hopefully share some really good tips and tricks that even the pros out there can learn from. So uh, why don't we start with the show? What do you think, Brandon? Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. All right. First up, we're going to talk with Nicholas Stevens. Nicholas is joining us from the Boston, Massachusetts area, and he's got a great story of getting his first buy and hold investment along with his first primary residence all in one. Why don't we jump on to that interview now? Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. 
Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The Wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. All right, Nick, welcome to the show, man. Good to have you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me on here. Ah, we appreciate you being here. You know, in the, in the forums a while ago, you talked about you bought an investment property, and uh, we're going to get into that, but uh, I'm really excited to talk more about it. Before we do, uh, why don't you just tell us a couple of things about yourself, like who are you, and where'd you come from, and what do you do? Yeah, definitely. Thanks. Uh, yeah, again, my name's Nick Stevens, and um, I bought a three-family last October. Uh, background on me, I work in the financial industry at a large financial institution in Boston. Um, I'm but I'm 29 years old, and uh, this is, that was my first investment purchase, too. So it was my first time home purchase. So definitely brand new to the real estate game. So super excited. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. And, and what, what inspired you to, to uh, branch out and, and you know, start, uh, start with this first purchase? What got you into real estate? Yeah, I mean, I was really just kind of, I, I worked one job out of college for about three years, and then I ended up moving back home just to basically... Uh, get closer to family. Ended up, my parents had a in law apartment that they built basically for my sister and her husband. So they saved up for a few years and they ended up buying a duplex actually. Um, and then I moved into that um, in law apartment for lived there for two or three years to save up money. I was basically just kind of saving money blindly, knowing I wanted to buy a house, but uh, I had no idea what it was going to be. Yeah. And then I was kind of slowly saving money, you know, not a whole lot. You know, you, again, you need, even if you put down 3.5%, the monthly payment, I was kind of doing the rough math along the way. And I was slowly realizing that a single family, I was going to need to save up a lot of money and then start earning a lot more money to uh, be able to afford it in the Boston area. Real estate's so expensive. So oh, I just yeah. Kinda, yeah, so that's kind of what I was initially thinking. Oh, cool. And, yeah, so then I kind of just started running some numbers. I, I knew my sister 
who bought the duplex and she was kind of telling me about her cash flow situation. I was like, wow, that's, that makes a lot of sense. Um, still didn't know all the qualifying that went into it when it comes to buying a two or three family, but that definitely got me thinking about it. And then I just started just kind of looking at a few and called a realtor just blindly off the internet. Nice. And, uh, and, uh, she, her husband's also a mortgage broker. So the team of them two kind of helped me along. We started looking at places and then I started learning more about how to qualify for the property and started slowly realizing that, um, in on my modest income, I, you know, I just earned a really average income and started realizing that, wow, the numbers really could work even on a invest, a uh, expensive property. Yeah. So, so you just got a typical, like a typical mortgage. Was it like 20% down or, you know, the FHA or how'd you do that? Yeah. So I did an FHA three and a half percent down. Cool. And I also ended up doing a renovation loan, a two or three K loan ah. where the bank gave me money up front to, to renovate. Um, I ended up just needed to, needing to work on mostly just my unit. The other two units were ready to go. But yeah, so I did that two or three K loan and FHA all in one. Cool. And, and for oh, those yeah, who don't, yeah, for those who don't know, the 203K, 203K basically is a loan that you can incorporate your repair costs into the loan itself, right? Exactly. Yeah. So they give you the money up front, not all of it up front, kind of along the way, but they'll, they basically help you pay. They use that money to pay for the project and then it's, it's just financed into your mortgage, which is, which is really nice. Are there any special requirements for, for the 203K loans? There are. I mean, there's some paperwork involved with getting the, the, the right qualified uh, contractor that you work with. So they have to have certain licenses. So there's a little bit of red tape qualifying the uh, contractor that's going to front the whole project. So okay. that's a little bit, you know, they can then subcontract out if they want to, but th- that's probably the main thing that comes to mind. I actually did that a couple of years ago. I was the contractor uh, for a friend who did a 203K loan. And so I had to go through all that paperwork and the red tape. And it was annoying, but it wasn't too bad. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's not too bad. Yeah, and it wasn't like any special, like, I didn't have to like take a special test or anything. It just was filling out forms. <laughs> yeah, and so. you had to be insured, obviously. They won't they like that. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, license bonded, insured. And and yeah, it really does work out well. I mean, if you got like a um yeah, it's only three and a half percent of the total amount too. So if if you're borrowing let's say you're buying a two hundred thousand dollar property and you need twenty thousand for repairs, you need two twenty total, you only pay three and a half percent of that total two twenty, which is awesome. So exactly. that's a great deal. That's yeah, yeah. I I always recommend people look into the two hundred three k. Well, so oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go, go ahead. I was just saying it was over. I think it's overlooked as well. Yeah, yeah. Right on, right on. Well, I I, I was I was gonna jump right into this uh, this property um, a little more detail. Um, can Can you tell us maybe some of the numbers and and uh, tell us how uh, how everything kind of came together? Yeah, for sure. Um, I was putting in offers. I was the market was I could tell was definitely heating up for the multifamilies in my area. I was basically looking around anywhere around Boston where I could be relatively close to family and uh, get to work easily. And I put in I think five or six offers on two family homes. That's basically what I was focusing on, and I didn't see too many three families pop up, anyways. And um, didn't get any, you know, didn't have any of those accepted, obviously. And uh, then this three family popped up, and I took a look at it, and I was, you know, really impressed. Um, so it's a two bedroom on the first floor, two bedroom on the second floor, and then the unit that I live in now is a one bedroom. Okay. Uh, one one bath in each unit, and uh, at the time there was they had two yeah they had two tenants they, so they had it fully rented at the time. So it was kind of the situation you know as far as when it was when it was on the market and it was listed at four hundred thousand 
I ended up putting in an offer around 380, I believe. Okay. And yeah, and then ended up there ended up being some work where we asked for some money back at closing. Ended up coming to about 383 that we agreed on for the purchase price. Right on. And so those the, it came with the not all three units were rented, or or was it actually uh, just the two uh, that that are currently rented? So at the time, so the the middle unit is the nicest unit. It's completely renovated. That's where the previous owners lived. Yeah. And when I saw that unit, I was like, "Wow!" I didn't, I didn't even think for a second of living there. I was like, "Wow!" I could get a lot of rent for that unit. Nice. So, nice. so yeah. I saw that. That really caught my eye. The first floor was in decent shape, rent ready. You just needed some updating, but that was occupied. Um, I don't know if you want me to run through some of the numbers for the rents. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So the first floor was being rented for a thousand. And they were just month to month. They were tenant at will. And then up on the third floor where I wanted to live, and this was really kind of a, the biggest thing that almost held it up, there was a, a woman that was living up on the third floor that uh, we weren't sure. It was, it was really tough communication between us and the sellers. Their attorney, they de- he typically dealt with other types of closings, I think, and didn't usually deal with um, you know, just regular real estate residential closings. But he just made the, the process horrible. And... Um, Basically, we weren't sure if if she was going to be the type of tenant that was going to be, you know, basically squatting here and not wanting to leave. And there was, there was a lot of back and forth with that. Finally, she ended up uh, moving out. But uh, and that basically, I I did end up making this the decision to go forward with the paperwork, even with her there. And I just said I'll deal with it, even though the eviction process in Massachusetts can be. That probably might, that might not have been the best choice. I'm not sure, but uh, <laughs> the eviction process in Massachusetts can be really difficult. They were, the laws really protect the tenants. Uh, was she, she was she just not paying rent at the time, or what, did she stop she actually, paying when you acquired it, or how did what she, happened? She actually was, but we were just hearing very little information back from the sellers on her situation. That's that's really all it came down to, and and there was we were probably starting to speculate, you know, why they weren't telling us certain things about the tenant and why she hasn't moved out yet. I think they might have said. She was moving out, and then she still had it at certain points. So there was just a lot of back and forth and kind of miscommunication between us and the sellers, I think, not helped by that their attorney and the, uh, that they were working with. But she ended up moving out, and I ended up uh, renovating this unit, which didn't need a, a little bit of work, like I mentioned, for that loan. And at the time, yeah, she was I think she was paying like 600 bucks. Okay. Yeah. And so now you moved into that unit, and then the, the middle the middle unit then, did you just get that rented out to then? Yeah, so for the bank, I did have to make it, I did have to do a little bit of work to it. Again, it was completely renovated, but um, the ba- when the property appraised, it appraised it as a two-bedroom, and there wasn't a door going to one of the bedrooms, so we just had to put a door in and, and wall off one open area that uh, between two of the open areas as well. So there's some minor work that the contractor needed to do just to make that an official two-bedroom. Okay. And uh, my contractor was awesome. He he rushed that for me so that within uh, the within about twenty five days or so, I got I basically got a rented for the next month and got tenants in there uh, pretty quickly for uh, fourteen seventy five a month. Is what it ended up being. Nice. So you're twenty four seventy five uh, in rents, and then you've got your unit, and then the, what what was the purchase again? It was four something, right? Um, three. Uh, it was three eighty three. Three eighty three. Okay. Yeah. And then the uh, the first four tenants ended up moving out after just a couple months. Okay. And and now I'm getting fourteen hundred for that unit. So right wow. now I'm getting twenty eight seventy five. And what's your note on that? It's uh yeah PITI is is right at twenty just under twenty eight hundred. Okay, so you're pretty much living for free. 
Yeah. I mean, minus the expenses when you have them and stuff, but exactly. Yeah. Wait, but why would you, why would you want to do that? I mean, that sounds terrible. <laughs> Living for free. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't understand. I mean, as a first investment property, buying a place where I mean people are covering your costs, that, that doesn't sound like a good deal at all. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I, I feel like I'm getting away with something, but it's it's awesome. I, I love it, obviously. Yeah, and and Brandon here is a fanboy of of similar type things. I, I am. I, think. <laughs> I, I I bought a duplex. I, I talk about that all the time. One of my first properties was a duplex I lived in, and uh, I still have it today. And that's the cool part about this, Nicholas, is that yeah, when you move someday, like if you keep it, you just get yeah. to rent out that other unit then, and then then you're you know hopefully cash flowing at that point. And uh, yeah, it's a good a good way to start out learning how to be a landlord and how to uh, you know, give you a place to live as well. So, yeah, it really is. Yeah, kind of. I was saying to a few people, kind of all at once. I, you know, was a first time home buyer going through that whole process, becoming a uh, minor construction lead manager kind of deal on that on my unit, and then um, being a landlord. So, kind of all those three things happened at once, which was I loved every minute of it, but it was definitely a little bit overwhelming at times. But it's it's been a it's been really awesome, steep learning curve for sure. Yeah. So can. Can can you talk about um, any any of the major lessons you've learned along the way? I, I I think you had mentioned one, which was you know not really anything you had much control over. Uh, dealing with the seller's uh, attorney, who was uh, so, sound to be uh, somewhat inept. Um, I I think I think that's a pretty big lesson, which is you know always work with a an experienced real estate attorney if if you have a choice. Don't just grab yeah. any old lawyer, right? Right, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I did learn, you know, kind of all the, the process of, you know, being a first-time home buyer. You know, work, I did kind of realize how difficult it can be working with the banks. I'm sure being a, putting down 3.5% FHA makes it even more difficult with all the regulations that, that they're under. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, the deal almost fell through so many times up to closing, really. So, I mean, just going through that whole process was probably the most stressful part of the whole thing because I wanted the property so bad. Um, the more I got into it and I, I just, you know, I just really wanted the, the property and it just almost fell through so many times with all the things that the bank was asking me for and the timelines. Um, I almost, I ended up, uh, I initially tried going for a different type of loan. It was, I think it was the soft second loan. I don't know if you've heard of that. No, nope. I think it's, I think it might be a Massachusetts thing, but it's basically a, it's a similar type program, but it's a little bit more friendly. And I think the interest rate was even a little bit lower in the, in actually, the, the main draw to it was there's no uh, PMI. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, and that ended up falling through. So then I ended up going FHA and we're at that point, we already signed the PNS and we had about 35 days to close, I think. And we ended up getting it done, but just definitely learned that it can be difficult working with banks. Long story short, yeah. long story long. But the beauty, look, I mean, the beauty is you got this FHA three and a half loan. I mean, what, what, what else you want yeah you know i mean most people right. would, would i mean rates are rates are finally starting to creep up and uh you know to get a three and a half percent is is uh out of the ordinary obviously now right absolutely yeah it's awesome yeah that's cool well cool well do you have uh before we go do you have any tips for other people who are you know thinking about doing this um i would say i, I feel like when i when i do talk about it with people i feel like they get overwhelmed i think um you know definitely just kind of you know looking at the whole process i think it's something that anybody could do. I, I do have, I mean, my dad, he's a master plumber and he definitely helped me with a lot of the renovation and some of his contacts to help with some of the work. So that I think took some of the stress off of me a little bit, but I think, uh, yeah, definitely 
if you're looking at anybody that's thinking about buying a single family house, I would 100% look at buying a duplex or a triplex because it's, uh, I think it's not as many headaches as you might think. And what's, what's your, what's your uh, take on having your, uh, having your tenants living downstairs? I mean, is, uh, what, what are the negatives to that for you yeah, at least? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I have a, this, this is an old house too. It was built in the early 1900s. So you can hear a lot of things in the house. So for sure, you definitely, um, that's, that's part of it. And you have to accept that going in. But, um, a lot of tenants like that. So when I interview potential tenants to come in here, a lot of, you know, 90% of them, at least the ones I want live in here too, are happy that the owner's living in the house. They're usually, uh, that's usually good news to them. If it's not good news, it's usually somebody I wouldn't want living here. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But uh, but yeah, that's definitely something you have you have to accept some of those things for sure if uh, if you're thinking about doing it. Well, awesome. Well, hey, well, Nicholas, well, you know this was really really good. So we really appreciate you, uh, you know, coming on the show to talk about this strategy. Yeah, definitely appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks again. Yeah, hey, for thanks sure. for stopping by, man. All right, oh, that was awesome, man. That was really cool, Brandon. What what would you think? I think it's awesome too. I'm a big fan of the 203k. Um, I haven't done it personally, but I was you know the contractor on it. Um, one time, so uh, I definitely recommend it. My best friend did it, and it worked out really well for him. I mean, it's it's uh, annoying sometimes with the red tape. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. We, I think we had like a, a foot high stack of paperwork when we were done with the thing. But uh, and I, you know, I think key in doing a two hundred three k loan is finding a lender who knows what they're doing. Like we worked with a lender when I did it with uh, my friend, and she knew exactly how to do a two hundred three k loan, and it was it was awesome. I mean, it, it it really went faster than other people. I've heard I've heard horror stories. So. Yeah, and and I think this this interview for me was particularly important because I I think for a lot of these new newer investors they're just worried. Hey, how do I start? Where do I go? Um, and and the the cool thing is you can go buy your first investment and it could be your first home as well at the same time. And and the beauty of it is. Uh, of what he's doing is he's living pretty much rent free uh, yeah. for himself while learning and training himself how to be a landlord, how to deal with rental properties and that kind of stuff. And and that's invaluable, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I um, 100% agree. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. All right, guys. Well, why don't we move on to our next interview? Uh, our next guest is Ezewan Hawkins, and uh, she's going to tell us the story of how she did her first wholesaling deal. So uh, why don't we let why don't why, I, 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 I having a hard time talking today? Let's get to it. Hey, Ezwan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. It's an honor. Oh, yeah. Listen, we're so glad to have you. Why don't we just j- jump right into this thing? Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. So I am a married mother of three girls. They're um, almost 13, almost 14, and my youngest is six. Um, We live in Washington, D.C. I've lived here all my life. Um, And we are currently um, looking to invest in Baltimore, Maryland, which is just about 40 minutes away from D.C. um, with hopes to um, include D.C. um, in that investment plan, hopefully in the next couple of years. Okay, very cool. So you just got started, right? I did, I did. And I think I joined Bigger Pockets in February or March. So, okay. Just a couple of months. Oh, very cool. So, uh, the, the reason I found you, I mean, I've seen you around the site a little bit, but you put a, a success story recently uh, about your first deal. So that's what I want to I wanna talk about today. Is, okay. is how, did that, how did that come about? Just walk us through beginning to end. What did you do and how did it, how did it work out? 
Sure. Well, my husband and I made a decision at the end of February that we would get into real estate investing. We had a um, small amount of money that we wanted to sort of put to good use. And um, when I joined BP, um, I learned about wholesaling and thought, oh, this would be a great way to sort of add to the to the um, small pot of money that we already have. So I started researching wholesaling a bit. Um, Ned Carey, who is a very active investor in the um, Baltimore market, graciously agreed to meet with me. And I rode around with him all over Baltimore and picked his brain for about eight hours nice. uh, one day at the end of March. He was really, really great. And so after that, I decided, you know what, we can do this. So um, having three kids, especially girls, um, extra money is not something that is um, um, that we have a lot of, especially yeah. currently. So um, in terms of being able to do a lot of marketing and direct mail marketing, we just didn't have the funds to be able to do that. So I picked up the phone and just started um, calling um Landlords who were um, renting apartments. I literally was in Baltimore every day, um, driving for dollars. I'm talking to neighbors, talking to the mailman, talking to, and giving my business card to whoever would take it. Um, about a week and a half after I um, initially met with Ned, um, I got a phone call from a seller who actually um, is a real estate agent in Baltimore. And um, he owned um, a number of properties, is also an investor, and wanted my help, ironically, in unloading a couple. Um, so one of the um, properties that he wanted me to sell actually fell through, didn't work out. He decided to hold on to it. But the other was a shell, which I thought was a great sort of start for a beginning wholesaler. It should be relatively easy to unload. So I was very excited, signed the contract. Well, initially talked him down. He wanted about 6500 I think it was, for the property. And we were able to talk him down to $2,000, um, which is great. And so... Um, a couple of days after that, I actually got pneumonia. Ooh, that's not good. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I didn't know it was pneumonia at the time, but I had like 104.5 Ouch. temperature and I was in the bed for like nine days. It was, I have never felt worse in my life. Um, and so obviously that um, limited the amount of uh, marketing the property I was able to do and advertising. But as soon as I was able to sort of sit up and be able to breathe okay, I started um, just advertising the property on Craigslist, mainly Craigslist actually at that point. Um, and literally, uh, almost immediately, I, I was flooded with phone calls. I didn't have a buyer's list. I didn't have anything. But I knew from speaking to Ned that if I had a good property at a good price in a good location that it would sell even if I didn't have anyone on the list. And that's why negotiating it down was um, so important to me because I wanted to be able to unload it quick. Yeah, definitely. Am I, is it too much information? No, no, not at all. This <laughs> is excellent. Okay. This is great. So um, I um, um, had, I feel that probably... 50 phone calls maybe within the next couple of days and um, I had one uh, potential buyer who over the next 
three or four days after that was pretty consistent about following up with me. The shell was completely boarded up. So, and it was not safe to enter really. So, um, there was really no walkthrough needed on that. Her boyfriend was a contractor. So they just drove by and sort of did an assessment of what they thought it would take to fix. And she, um, made me an offer. I, we were asking 4,500 for the property and she made an offer of 4,000 and, um, we accepted that. Cool. So yeah. that was the first deal. Well, we were very excited about that. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And so then you went to closing. Did you assign the contract or did you actually go like to actual like title company to close? We went to a title um, a title company to close, but the contract was assigned to her, if okay. that answers the question. Yeah. yeah, so you didn't have to come with any money then? No, we didn't, which was great. We were actually able to, um, she actually, um, put, um, a thousand dollar earnest money deposit down initially. Um, so literally the day that I met with her, um, to sign the contract, um, she, um, gave me the deposit. And so that was strange because I was expecting it to go directly to the title company, but she didn't have an issue writing the check directly, um, to us. And at Ned's suggestion, um, the initial contract with the seller was just for $10. Um, that was the, um, consideration for that contract. And when he, when Ned initially mentioned that to me, I thought there's no way someone's going to put a property in a contract for 10, for a $10 deposit, but, um, the seller didn't even question it at all. So that definitely was, was very eye opening to me. Um, when we got to settlement, there were some issues <laughs> that came up. The seller owed a ton of real estate, uh, back real estate taxes, Ooh. property taxes, excuse me, on the property, like somewhere in the neighborhood of about $5,000. Oh, wow. Um, and so, um, he initially attempted to sort of, you know, wiggle out of the deal and said he didn't know. And I was, you know, professional, but, but firm and reminded him that he had a contract. And at least with my offer, he would at least get $2,000 in help as opposed to letting this fall through. He wouldn't have, he would have had to be responsible for the entire out on past due amount. So, um, he actually brought money to the table to get the get the property sold, but we were wow. able to do that. And I, and I actually offered um, when it looked like the deal was going to fall apart. I offered five hundred dollars of my fee, which was half of what I was expecting to get back, um, half of the balance I was expecting to get. But um, it was important to us for the deal to actually go through, so we were committed to that. Yeah, yeah, I've uh, I've been there before. Definitely, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's never fun, but. No, that's, no, it wasn't, that's but it was our first and, and we were thrilled that, you know, we didn't make any major mistakes and, and were able to actually make some money um, off the deal. So that was, that was exciting. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Look, and you know, and th- that's the great thing about wholesaling. I mean, if you're brand new to house flipping and you go out and make some mistakes, you have the potential to lose a whole lot of money. But with wholesaling, those mistakes, they're, they're usually not as costly. So it's, it's really a great way to learn as you uh, as you build your business. That's exactly what I used to convince my husband that <laughs> this should be a good first step. So I definitely agree with that. Oh, right on, right on. So have you done any more deals since then? I have. Actually, um, a week after I think I got that property under contract, um, or maybe a couple of weeks, I got um, a hit through my website, um, thismombuyshouses.com. From a seller who had a, um, who wanted to sell, actually wanted to give away their property. They said they were looking to get rid of it and they just wanted a dollar for it, I guess, um, to have some sort of consideration in the contract. And when I first got the email, I honestly thought someone was playing a joke on me. I thought there's no way. (laughs) 
why, why would anyone give away a piece of real estate for nothing, essentially? And um, I was able to speak with the seller and did a little research beforehand. And they were, you know, very motivated. They had gotten into this property and and a number of things had happened and, and they weren't able to start working on it as quickly as they, um, as the city of Baltimore was, was um, expecting them to. And so they just, you know, they wanted to get rid of the property. And um, Ned also mentioned to me, you know, that, disclosures are so important. And so, um, you know, I made sure with my first deal and definitely with this one, look, this may be something that I keep for myself, but um, I also may sell it to another investor. Are you okay with that? And I probably repeated that two or three times um, to them. And, and each time they said, you know, whatever it is that you need to do in order to, you know, get the property, you know, sold and out of our name, you know, we're completely fine with, which made me nervous because I, I then thought, well, they must, you know, maybe there's a huge lien on the property or what's going on. And I did some initial research in Baltimore. You can do some initial research in terms of outstanding liens, but it's typically just for the most recent um, tax year. And so I didn't see anything. So I um, sent it to the closing attorney and just kept my fingers crossed. And um, we, I kept expecting something to happen just because that's my nature. It sort of happens when you have three girls. Yeah. Um, that, you know, something's going to happen. They're going to back out there, you know, something's going to happen. And we got to closing and I, well, first of all, I was able to find a buyer very quickly for that one as well. I got a lot of interest for it. Obviously I, we weren't asking as much as, um, as probably honestly, as much as we should, but again, it was more, it's more important to us with these early deals just to get them moved quickly to sort of, you know, build our confidence. So that, that's um, been pretty important to us. So we probably, I think it took us about eight or nine days to unload that one. Um, Ned had given me sort of a, a tip that if I have a property longer than a week, then um, it's probably priced too high. And so that's been, you know, the rule of thumb that I've been trying to go by. So when I got to that seven day point, I started to get nervous and I think the weekend came and by that Monday it was, it was sold. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Well, very cool. Well, what, what's your plan, you know, going forward? What are your, what are your plans? Well, um, the, uh, um, um, profit that we've made so far from the last two deals is going to go into our marketing efforts. We really like to start um, direct mail marketing. Um, and so that's our sort of immediate plan. Um, we'd like to do, you know, another two or three wholesale deals to sort of add to our a pot of money. And then we'll um, look to purchase um, a couple of buy and hold properties, hopefully in the next six to nine months in Baltimore, something that we can rent out. Okay. Very cool. That's awesome. All right. Well, good, good deal. Uh, that's, that is really, really good information. I'm, uh, I actually learned quite a bit as well. Cause I, like I said, I want to, I want to do more wholesaling. So I love to hear, you know, successful wholesale stories. So definitely. We, cool. I never thought that it would, it would be me. I was expecting, you know, nine to 12 months, you know, I was really committed to that time frame to sort of get it done, um, to get our first deal done. But I think, um, the way that we sort of, um, you know, sort of dived right in and literally every hour of the day I was committed to talking to sellers and I probably spoke to, um, I don't know, probably somewhere around two or 300 people, um, just within that couple of weeks, just calling, you know, doing skip traces and calling Craigslist ads and going out and speaking with neighbors. And it's just good to see that it, it all panned out and, and worked out. So we're excited about that. 
Yeah, that's cool. You know what I like about your story too is that like you could have gone out and spent, you know, $20,000 on some kind of, you know, private uh, class or course or something like that. Mm-hmm. But you probably learned more in those, you know, in the last couple of months of actually just doing it than you would have learned in, you know, months and months and months of, of uh, courses. Definitely. Uh, now I did, I, I do scour and bigger pockets every day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and most hours of the day, I'm, I'm the one there researching something. So I, I definitely couldn't have done it without all the information on the site. Well, that's, that's cool. We appreciate that. I mean, that, that's, that's how I learned almost everything I've done was the same way. So mm-hmm. yeah, very cool. Well, thank you very, very much for, you know, being with us today. Uh, no, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you. We'll see you on the site. All right. Well, uh, you know, hopefully the listeners out there learn some good tidbits about wholesaling in that interview. Um, I know I'm super excited to do more wholesaling and I think I say that like every episode <laughs> and I haven't, <laughs> I know I haven't really started it yet, but I, ah, I really want to do more wholesaling. I just, I spend too much time on this weird site called bigger pockets. I don't know. <laughs> it is your job. you know. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, yeah, I, I love that story because I mean, you know, she just totally proves that it, it's doable. So. Yeah, no, that's great. And def- uh, well, well, why don't we why don't we move on to the uh, to the next interview uh, where we're going to talk with uh, a great guy, Matt Whiteside, and uh, Matt's from the great state of Illinois, and he's going to fill us in about his first deal. Uh, and and of course, Brandon, you know that I love this next story because all the gurus, you know, they love to talk about how easy wholesaling is. Uh, but just like Ezwan's story, Matt's going to actually talk about some of the problems that can arise with a wholesale deal and uh, how he overcame them to make a really great profit. Cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely wholesaling does work. We've seen that on the site, but it's definitely not as easy. So, cool. Yeah. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Take a second and imagine this. Immediate cash flow, above average rent, built-in equity, and a foolproof exit plan. No, it's not 2012 again. This is just what it's like to invest with Integra Development Group. They've simplified the real estate investing process so everyone can invest. With their new construction single-family rent-to-own homes, you'll get aggressively priced brand-new properties that have tenants in place now in one of the fastest-growing states in America, Florida. Here's how IDG's rent-to-own strategy works. You get exclusive access to inventory with aggressive pricing thanks to IDG's builder-partner relationships. Then, invest and collect immediate cash flow with tenants already in place at or very close to closing. With the demand for new builds, your tenants pay above-market rent so you rake in more cash flow. And you'll get built-in equity and appreciation with an already agreed-to purchase price at year three 
helping the tenants become homeowners while you build wealth. That's investing simplified. So secure your next investment property today with Integra Development Group at IntegraDG.com. That's IntegraDG.com to start investing today. As home prices and interest rates continue to rise and inventory levels dip, it's getting harder to find quality flips and wholesale deals. When there's not enough on-market inventory to go around, it's time to start looking off-market. Lucky for you, there are millions of homeowners nationwide who own a property they need to get off their hands. I got two words for you, my friend. PropStream it. PropStream is the leading real estate data provider and recognized as a Tech 100 honoree by Housing Wire for the fourth consecutive year. With PropStream, you can search over 155 million properties nationwide using 120 plus search filters like pre-foreclosure, bankruptcy, pre-probate, failed listings, and more to help you find motivated sellers in seconds. PropStream offers both public record data and an MLS sales estimate that's over 99% accurate to help you get the most accurate comps even in non-disclosure states. PropStream also provides lead automation, skip tracing, and a marketing suite with emails, postcards, and custom landing pages to close more deals efficiently. Get started today with their seven-day free trial and get 50 leads for free. Head on over to www.propstream.com BP. That's www.propstream.com BP. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find a home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even on the same day with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help you get the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, why don't we uh, jump right onto that interview? All right, Matt. Very, uh, very good to have you here. Let's uh, let's start with uh, with this uh, first deal of yours. Are you want to tell us a little bit about it? Sure. Um, it was a wholesale deal. I was marketing to people who um, were back behind on their taxes. So it was tax lien. Um, I went down to the county and got a list and I was marketing to people who were in Illinois. They have two and a half years to redeem their taxes. And I got them right before that two and a half year um, was about to end. And here in our county, it was the 25th of April. So I had, the, I had them out prior to that, the letters. Um, and I got quite a few calls. I had this call to this woman um, who was the sister at the time who she was living in the unit. And she said, well, you know, my sister takes care of it. My mom died, passed away. You'll have to talk to her. So I said, all right, fine. So she gave me the number. I called her. She called me, left a message, called me back um, and said, you know, I'm just tired of dealing with it. She had, the, she had two siblings there who weren't helping out, weren't doing anything, weren't paying the taxes, weren't paying the association fees, we found out. And she said, I'm just tired of, you know, putting money after this thing and you know, I'm, I'm done. And they're, they were ready to to move and just be done with it, and I, you know. And I offered her, you know, over the phone, I offered her ten thousand based off of what I could, you know, the comps in that area, what I think I could, you know, get it for with 
making some money off of it. And the taxes at the time were about $4,700 that they needed to redeem. So she said, all right, that sounds good. And then I went and looked at the place after that, and it was, it was a wreck. Uh, it, <laughs> it, 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 needed, it needed at least $10,000, $10,000 to $15,000 in repairs. Did she tell you that it was perfect? She didn't tell me it was perfect. I said, "Well, how is it?" She goes, "Oh, it's good." You know, she hasn't she hadn't been there in a few years, okay. so she didn't really know. You know, she said, "Oh, you know, it's three three bedroom townhouse. You know, one and a half baths. It had a finished basement." She said, "I said oh, okay." Went over there, and like I said, all the flooring was all shot. You know, ripped up. They they said they started to they were going to put new carpeting down. They just ran out of money, so they didn't put anything down. The floors were saggy in the kitchen. Um, you know, there was just there was a hole in the ceiling from when they put in a new bathtub and it leaked down and they just oh, never, repaired, never repaired it. Um, so yeah, there was, there was a lot of work that needed to be done in there. And so I said, yeah, I went back to her and I said, you know what? It's just, it's not as, as nice as you thought as you said it was. So I said, you know, maybe I'd do 5,000. And she's like, oh, all right. You know, I guess I got to get something, you know, it's better than nothing. Because at that time when I was talking, she only really had, you know, uh, I, then I had found out though that, that whoever bought the tax lien, they did uh, extend the uh, redemption period to August fifth. So we did have some time, but you know, she said, "Well, all right, let's just do it." So I said, "All right, fine." So I I sent her out a um, an option contract where I was just going to give her the the option fee was going to be a hundred dollars, but I was only giving I only gave her a dollar deposit, um, and you know, I said I'll buy it based off of. You know, she was going to get, they were going to get $5,000 cash. Plus I would pay the taxes roughly around $5,000. Um, I had her sign it and I had her sign a memorandum of option. She signed it, notarized it, sent it back to me. I recorded the uh, memorandum of option. And then from there, I, I listed it on the MLS. Um, you know, I'd gone and, and, and researched it and just to make sure that I could do it. And I found that, you know, my wife's an agent and I found that, yeah, we could do it. And I know um, in, in some states I've heard that you can do that in some states you can't. Right. So that's good that you, you, that you could do that. Yeah. You should just, and, and, but I, I don't see a lot of it being done, you know, and I, I would have anybody that's thinking about doing it, check with your local, you know, listing service and see what their rules are. And, you know, maybe you can get an agent that can do it for you. That's great um, advice. Um, so yeah, we, we, we figured it out and we went to my wife's broker and said, well, this is what we wanted to do. And she said, all right, well, we'll do it. I've never done it before. So it was kind of like the Guinea pig here. <laughs> um, so we, we did it, we listed it. Um, I had it listed on a Thursday at like four o'clock on Friday. We had the first showing set up at like 10 AM. First guy that came through offered me $20,000. I, I did list it at 25,000 based off of it. And I was a little nervous because there was an REO that was on there that was, uh, listed at 11,000 and looking at the pictures, it looked a little nicer than the, the unit I have. And I was like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to get much for this place, you know, but then I saw it sold in four days for 22, over 22 and a half thousand dollars. So I said, well, there's hope there, you know? So I was, I said, well, let's just put it up for 25,000 and see what we can get. Like I said that the first offer, first showing guy offered 20,000. I said, well, you know what? I, let me think about it and I'll, I'll get back to you. I came home, told my wife, we were shocked at you know first showing, <laughs> first cash offer. Yeah. You know, and he came in. He said, "You know, this place needs like ten, fifteen thousand dollars work." So he knew. Um, and I think it was he was a, a an investor um, that was looking to rehab it and flip it. Um, 
So I said, well, let me think about it. Came home, talked over with the wife. She said, you know what? Maybe we ought to just take the money. And I was going to, you know, like, let's just get in and get out. I still make some decent money off of this thing. And then later that evening, had another showing and another offer of 23000 So then we got into a, you know, multiple bid situation. We told him, give us your highest and best. The $20,000, he's, he's stuck with the 20000 The twenty three, they came up to $25,595. So I was like, wow, I Maybe we'll go with this one. And then the next day, I think we had a $26,000 offer. Wow. And really what happened was I, I was having a lawyer redo my assignment fee, or not my assignment fee, my assignment contract. And he, he got sick and it was taking, because I was going to take the $25,000 yeah. offer. He got sick, so it took him a few days to get it done. And I, I was putting off that guy going, okay, just hold on, hold on. We'll get the contract. I, will, you know, I didn't say yes or no. I said, I'm... I'm we're leaning towards it. Um, and then what happened was, while, they, while the lawyer was out sick with you know, getting that uh, assignment contract, I got a $26,000 or no, $31,000 offer. That's when the $31,000 offer came in. Awesome. So I said, well, I think I'm going to go for the $31,000. <laughs> so, and it was a cash offer. He waived you know, all like inspections, everything. So I said, okay, great. Well, in that meantime, at that first day, I found out the, the sister that was living there tells me, well, you know, I'm behind on the, the HOA fees. And I said, well, how much? And she said, oh, five. And I said, what, five months? Because they're only $120. She says, no, 5000 Oh, like, wow. Ugh. I'm like, great. That's going to take a big And then I found out it was like $5,950, like $6,000. <laughs> so wow. that's going to take a huge chunk out. But then, you know, then we got that $31,000 offer. I said, well, that, that'll help. You know, but then I, you know, I, I negotiated with the uh, HOA. I told them, I said, you know, if if I don't buy this property, if we don't do this, whoever bought that tax lien is going to take over this property. It's going to wipe out any of those any of those fees. And they never did put a lien on it, so we never came up in a title search or anything. I don't know why they they chose not to do anything with it. That you know, it was almost or four years worth of HOA fees that they never even bothered to collect. Wow. But I got him down to twenty five hundred, so I said, "Well, that's good." So um, then we find out that the sister or the mother died without a will, didn't go through probate. So now I have to get four siblings to sign off on everything. So, <laughs> this is the most complicated deal ever. <laughs> it was and I'm for like, your for first deal. Yeah, for my first deal, I said, "I hope they go." I'm hoping I'm getting the tough one right out of the way at the beginning, and everything else will be smooth sailing from here on out. But. Uh, so yeah, I had to go and get them all to to sign everything. Then we had to do an affidavit of heirship, um, you know, stating you know that they are who they are and that they have the right to you know sell this property. All right, so it took me a couple of weeks to get all the paperwork together, um, and then we, you know, I I, I didn't want to take anything to chance, so I, I I went out and I had mobile notaries meet me at the one brother. He lived out in Joliet, which is not too far from me. Had him sign the stuff. Um, then, then I went to the other brother who's still in the area, had him sign everything, had him notarize everything, and then I took a took a weekend trip. I said I'm just going to go down there, and the sister had moved down with the other sister in Kentucky in Louisville. So I said, let's just go. Me and my wife and daughter, we just got in the car and we went on a Friday night. We went down there, hung out. Saturday went. She had a local notary right down the street from her. And we went over there, had him sign everything, got all the paperwork, set the closing for that next Tuesday, that following Tuesday made sure I had all of the 
all of my my ducks in a row. You know, I was kind of nervous since being my first one. The last time I was in a closing was when I bought my house, so it's been over you know over ten years. So I went in there without a lawyer. I paid off the transfer tax, uh, got this transfer stamp, um, went to closing. Um, actually impressed the uh, the closing company with how well I was prepared. You know, they said I was more prepared than most lawyers that come in there. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we had we had everything that we needed. Uh, it, the closing went fine. Um, you know, when I got the assignment, you know, I, I agreed to pay for the uh, the title, and then uh, the buyer. Um, was happy with that, so you know I was only I, I put out another twelve fifty for that. Um, the only other, the other the funny thing about it is though the day we were supposed to close he 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 had asked on Friday because he thought we were going to close on Friday and I had my lawyer contact his and tell him nah that wasn't going to happen I don't think we were going to have the paperwork signed in time and you know then he was asking well he didn't sign a lease on his new place and you know would I pay a pen, you know he has to pay a penalty and would I reimburse him from that and I said well. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I agreed, even though I didn't have to, because it said in the assignment agreement that he would be paying all the closing costs, like for title and stuff. I said, no, I, I paid for the title. So if anything, you know, if there's any penalty over that, then maybe we work something out. It was dropped. I never mentioned it again. But I went to the closing the day of the closing. I went over there to get my wife signed the lockbox off, and I find out that there's workers in there. And I said, uh, who are you guys? And I said, oh, we're the owner. The owner uh, hired us. I said, "Well, uh, you're, that would be almost me." <laughs> you know, they said, "Oh, well, he said it was okay. He closed on Friday." I said, "No." So he jumped the gun on me, and I said, "I talked to the lawyer." I said, "Well, what do you want me to do about it?" He goes, "I wouldn't say anything." He said, "It'll just make the closing go easier because if they come up with any, you know, <laughs> if they yeah. have any, if they if they if they say anything you can go well you owe me rent for being in there for the days you were and you actually put money into it so you've actually improved my place so you know i could yeah. not close but it never came up we went, went smooth so you know after talking with the title company just making sure we had everything correct they they knew and wanted to make sure they had a you know everything in order we closed and i picked up my check so i made you know over it's probably with my wife's commission it was over eleven and a half thousand dollars we made off that one first deal. That's awesome. That's yeah. very cool. Well, and, cool. And it only took me, like I said, one dollar is what came out of my pocket in the beginning. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I pay for some other stuff like you know notaries and you know stuff like that, and getting filing, you know, forty-two dollar to file the the memorandum. But other than that, it really wasn't a lot of money out of pocket. Everything was paid at closing. So. Okay. That's that's an interesting uh, interesting story. Re- really, really, really quickly, what uh, you know, what inspired you to to kind of go that route with with the uh, the, the tax liens? You know, it was something I I'd gotten. I read something about ordered a book one time called Deed Grabber. Be a Deed Grabber about getting you know tax liens, getting them before you know they go to the, the tax lien investor. You know, people who obviously they're motivated. They're going to lose this house just based off the back taxes. And I'm, I'm, you know, I've, I've been finding a lot of places that are free and clear that really they owe just the taxes, you know? So if you can find those properties, then you do pretty well. Yeah, that's great. Nice. Well, Hey, nice. thank, thank you very much, Matt, for, you know, kind of sharing your story with us. No problem. Cool. Appreciate yeah, thanks it. a lot, Matt. Yeah, definitely. All right. All right, guys. And that was Matt Whiteside. Uh, that story definitely paints a different picture about how, 
easy wholesaling is, uh, doesn't it be? <laughs> it definitely does. I like how he says he had to, you know, drive down to another state to get things signed. That was not something you read in the, uh, you know, or here on the, the from the gurus. So, uh, definitely, definitely. All right, everybody. For our final interview today, we're going to talk with somebody that, well, if you regularly hang out on the Bigger Pockets forums, you probably know pretty well, Mehran Kamari. Uh, Mehran's actually a moderator now on the Bigger Pockets forums and is definitely one of our most active members. Uh, we, we wanted to talk with Mehran today because like a lot of our listeners, Mehran's located in a big city where prices are kind of crazy high and uh, it just some, may not make sense to invest in. But uh, you know, he lives in LA and he's, he's actually crushing it right now with his investments by investing at a distance. So if you're in an area where prices are too high, you definitely, definitely, definitely want to listen to this interview, out of state investing. Uh, so, uh, why don't we just jump right into this? All right. So Mehran, can you tell us, uh, tell us about your first deal? Okay. So my first deal Actually, for me, was my primary residence. Um, you know, I just got a well-paying job around 2009. I started saving some money uh, to put towards the down payment. I figured that that would be the biggest investment in my life. And uh, what I decided to do was just buy a bunch of books, learn about mortgages, learn about how to, how to actually buy a house, and that's what led me to BP. So I had a question about debt to income ratio and. That led me to BP, and I got so much information on just the one post that I read. I was like, man, uh, this is a really good site. I'm going to stick around here and learn what I can before I buy my first house. And the information I learned from BP really helped me kind of decide what type of house I wanted to get. Uh, I, I knew from the second I, I started on BP that I wanted to get into real estate investing, and I figured you know, the best way to do that would be uh, get some practice as a landlord. So I figured I'd find a house that I can easily rent out some rooms, you know, get the hang of uh, yeah. being a landlord, finding tenants, uh, screening them, signing a lease, doing all the things, you know, a landlord does. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much how I got started on my first deal. Well, okay. oh, that's cool. Nice. And and since then you've, you've continued to, uh, to pick up property. What was, mm-hmm. what was the, uh, what was the second opportunity that you went through? Okay, second opportunity uh, as a duplex I found on the MLS in Indianapolis. Uh, I had been looking at some turnkey properties from some turnkey companies, and it seemed like every property I looked at wasn't meeting my requirements for you know the two percent rule on bigger pockets, uh, the fifty percent rule, which I figured would be just kind of good criteria to stick to. So I I figured that. Indianapolis would be a good market because a lot of the turnkey companies were offering properties there. So I figured, you know, let's just check out the MLS. And I did that. I found a good property uh, that had the numbers that I was looking for that easily met the 50% rule. So I just pretty much called the agent up. I had a bunch of questions to ask her, you know, due diligence questions like, what, why is the seller selling? Can I get a copies of, copies of the lease, rent roll, stuff like that? And it, it was pretty simple, actually. Uh, oh, cool. Did, yeah. did did you go and visit it then before buying it, or did you just? Oh no, I did everything online with oh, pictures. Cool. I hired a property uh, property inspector, inspector, and um, pretty much, yeah, they were my eyes and ears on, on the ground. No, oh, cool. And, and you're in Los Angeles, so you know, obviously, there's there's some distance there. What uh, what was your uh, what was the strategy? Was it to buy and hold, or, or yeah, def- 
definitely buy and hold. Um, I had just saved enough for a down payment and I got pre-approved, figured I'd be able to afford the house and I just bought it with conventional financing and that was it. It was pretty simple. Did it require any work or was it, was it uh, ready to go? Uh, it was, it was pretty much ready to go. Uh, another investor had bought it and rehabbed it in 2009. He already had tenants in there, property management in place, and everything was pretty much good to go. I, I, I guess we did the inspection, and there was a, a couple of repairs that I asked him to do, which he did willingly. And uh, yeah, everything was pretty smooth. Cool. So you, you, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Brian. Oh, I was wondering if you've had any problems so far with, uh, with tenants or anything like that, managing from far away. You have a property manager, right? Yeah, yeah. So the property manager is actually, she's so awesome. I put together kind of like a questionnaire that I got from all my research I did on, on bigger pockets, like oh, all the things I need to ask about uh, this property manager to vet her out, see if she's really good to see if I should you know, either replace her or keep her on. And she answered every question perfectly. And I, I felt like it was such a blessing. Everything's been good so far. Uh, the tenants that were there were long-term tenants. So I haven't had any problems. She collects rent on time and everything. That's awesome. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, been awesome. Yeah, yeah, and the cool thing about that is, you know, you you basically saw what other successful companies were doing, these turnkey companies were doing. And uh yeah, I mean, certainly not everybody can go out and and do what you did. Um mm-hmm. and some people do need, you know, a company to kind of take care of all the work. Um but uh you you realize that the numbers didn't work for you and so mm-hmm. you kind of went around and and found an an opportunity that w- that was perfect and that's cool. Yeah, and I found when I when I bought my house that I live in now, I went through the house and I thought I saw everything. It looked perfect. And when the when the inspector came in, he found all these things wrong with the property <laughs> that I didn't even see. So I figured, you know, I'll just hire an inspector to go check out the duplex that I'm buying, and they'll probably see more than I will, even if I flew out there anyway. So uh, it worked out good for me that way. <laughs> Were you concerned at all about the neighborhood since you don't know the area? Like, how did you? Determine yeah, what was good. So, I relied a little bit on the the selling agent who I knew kind of had a an ulterior motive for you know <laughs> kind of sprucing it up. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I I I used Trulia to check out some of the crime crime reports in that area of the uh, of the city. Uh, I spoke with the property manager who was really helpful. She didn't really have too much to gain by like by uh, giving me kind of jumbled up information. Um, it it was the duplex was. The only multifamily property on a house of single family home. Um, I mean, on a street of single family homes. Okay. So it seemed like you know the street was well taken care of and everything. Now it's not the nicest neighborhood, but uh, it works. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really. Uh, I would look for that too. A multifamily on a street of single families. I follow okay. the same. I love that. So yeah. Nice. And you know what else works? Uh, Google Street View is is a fantastic oh, tool for doing that as well. The due diligence. <laughs> I mean, if you see bars in all the windows, you know, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you kind of yeah. know where you're. Or cars that are you know blown out and sitting on yards. I mean, it kind of <laughs> tells you what you're looking at. Yeah, I think I. I I drove around with Google Street View for like two or three hours in that whole neighborhood. <laughs> it's like I practically live there. That's awesome. Nice. <laughs> nice. Well, cool. cool. Well, I know, I know you mentioned on the forums that you also uh, found you know a partner um, through oh, BP. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that with your with yeah, your next I found, one? I found my partner on BP. Uh, her name's Don Anastasi. She's in uh, Milwaukee, and I, after I closed on property number two, I was already. I mean, yeah, I was already thinking about the next property and. She had posted something in the marketplace. She posted a couple of numbers on certain uh, properties that she's seeing and the numbers in her neighborhood and everything. And I was like, man, that's better than I'm seeing in Indianapolis. And 
I've seen her all over the forums giving advice on on all the different sub forums. She's been really helpful. So I've seen her around and there was a lot of credibility there. Uh, and I figured, you know, let's, let's contact her and, and see if I could work on something with her. Uh, and we, we talked to each other, vetted each other out. Uh, what I really liked about working with her is because we're part of the BP community, we're always around the same lingo, kind of like the same culture, the same beliefs when it comes to, you know, investing, which is like doing it right and doing your due diligence and make sure all the numbers are correct, everything. And, uh, so far it's been so smooth working with her because we're always on the same page with everything. We have the same goals and, uh, it's working out pretty good. That's fantastic. Can you tell us about the, uh, the deal that you guys are doing? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this, the deal we just closed, uh, actually fairly recent on the 31st of May, uh, is a short sale, small little two, one house. We bought it for 21,000 cash, putting about 3000, um, into rehab and our estimated ARV is about 40,000. And we have a, a portfolio lender lined up where we can, uh, refinance right after we finish the rehab and put a tenant in there and get our money back and kind of rinse and repeat. That's awesome. Uh, and and the rent she's looking to get for it is about seven fifty to seven ninety five, so it's it's cash flowing pretty good for what we got it for. You know, and that just shows like you, you know, uh, I, I know Maron, you didn't know I was going to do this, but like you are one of the most active guys on Bigger Pockets. I mean, you're always in there welcoming people and talking and engaging, and you are just proof that uh, I mean that it works. I mean, like that just getting out there and meeting people and talking with investors and uh, you know making deals happen. So I think that's really really awesome. Oh, and one last thing. Uh, one thing that really helped me get over the hump on making that first offer was posting uh, a post in the deal analysis forum so I can have you know the opinion of all the other investors on there kind of pick apart my deal and let me know if it's good or not. So even though I did my own due diligence before that, for some reason I was like stuck in that analysis paralysis stage and I just like couldn't get myself to make that offer. But after I made the post and uh, I kind of got the feedback from everybody, yeah, I felt a little more comfortable moving forward and uh, it really helped a lot. So I suggest any new investors that are uh, honing in on a property that they're, they're, they're really serious about and they just can't get over that hump. If you just post something on the deal analysis forum, I mean, you, you can't really go wrong with uh, the collective intelligence, I guess, of people that have done over hundreds of deals and uh, it really helped me get over that edge. So I highly suggest that. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I did kind of the same thing on when, when I was starting out, I would post my... I guess deals on there, like uh, you know, is this really a deal? And yeah, it worked really good. Yeah, yeah. I think you actually even um, contributed to that uh, to my <laughs> post, and it nice. helped me out big time. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's good to know. It's funny. I went back and looked at my first comments I ever made on the forums. You know, like, <laughs> checked all out. And man, the 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 change that has happened from the time I first posted on BP until now is like amazing. And I I credited it. I wouldn't say 100% to bigger pockets, but pretty much all my direction has been because of that. I mean, I've read a lot of books also. I, I, I like can't stop reading books for bigger pockets. And it's just, <laughs> nice. I'm like fascinated with real estate investing now. It's awesome. Well, cool. That's great. Hey, what's, that's your, great. what's your favorite real estate investing book? Uh, actually, I'm kind of reading it right now. Uh, I actually got it from some of the other bigger, um, the podcast is the How I Turn a Thousand into Five Million in Real oh, Estate. Oh, yep. Nickerson. By Nickerson. Yeah, what, yeah. I, what I really like about it is... Uh, uh, he doesn't just tell you what to do. He breaks down the psychology of 
why he's doing it and why it's kind of the best decision to do this move for this situation. And that's what I really like about it because I, I like to get into the the mindset of a successful investor, kind of not just like step by step what to do. Yeah. yeah, no, that's awesome. I like that book a lot too. That's one of one of my favorites. So, oh, very cool. So, what are, what are your plans for the future now? So, my plan my plans right now are to continue to buy uh, you know cash flowing properties that I could uh, you know cash out refinance and get my money back so I can keep rolling with the money I have now. But to build a portfolio big enough for me to leave my job to replace my income that I'm earning right now and leave my job and kind of pursue things full time. The job that, of course, you love. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I love my job. In case any of my coworkers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's not that my job's not that bad. It's just that it's uh, the line of work I do. We kind of have to work graveyard shift, and it's not the ideal shift for me to be working. Uh, oh, and, look, I mean, beyond that, you know, everybody's kind of got the dream of, hey, I can. I can work for myself and kind of have the opportunity, the freedom to spend time with family and friends and, and do what I want to do. I mean, you know, if, if, if there's any boss listening to an employee <laughs> who says, hey, I, I don't want to work, you know, I mean, I will work my backside off for you while I am working, but the dream is to not work. I mean, come on. Yeah, having, a- yeah having goals for, for working um, so hard to accomplish my goals has made me a better employee even even at my job, I'm just so motivated and excited all the time rather than just sitting there, you know, with my back hunched and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's yeah. awesome. Well, listen, I, I, I really want to thank you for, for giving us a couple minutes of your time. And, and I think, uh, you know, I, I think you shared some, some cool little tidbits here and, and it's exciting to learn about, uh, the success that you're having. Uh, so we'll definitely look forward to continuing to watch you, uh, as you grow and, and share what you've learned uh, with everybody back in the community. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And thanks, thanks for starting Bigger Pockets, Josh, and making the community what it is. You guys have, have made it so awesome for me. It's so easy now. <laughs> nice. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much, you guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Oh, that was awesome. Awesome. Listen, I mean, Mehran is, he's definitely one of the many, many Bigger Pockets success stories. It's, it's so cool. Yeah, it is cool. I mean, it's fun to watch him because when he first started, you know, posting on the forums, he you know, didn't know a whole lot of what was going on. But uh, definitely, it's pretty cool to watch. And I know I just talked to him the other day, um, and he mentioned he got another deal. Now, even since this interview that we recorded, uh, he got another deal that he's closing soon on. So sweet. Yeah, he's on fire. It's awesome. Oh, that's great. And and it proves that you really can't uh, can't your, use your location as as an excuse to not invest. You know, hey, I live in New York City. I can't find anything under, you know, $50 billion. In this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you got to find a way to overcome things like that, just like Miran did. So, uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I, I, I'm a big fan of his. I'm excited to see where he goes with this. Yeah. No, definitely. All right, man. Let's wrap this thing up. For, uh, for those of you guys who are listening, we really just want to say thank you for supporting Bigger Pockets. And uh, furthermore, we actually really want to uh, thank you for supporting uh, your fellow investors around the site. You know, Bigger Pockets, I, I think, is, is so amazing because the people who make up the community, uh, you, you know, these, these four, four investors have all, you know, they're all in the earliest stages of their careers. And anytime they jump on the site and ask questions, uh, you know those investors who've been around are are jumping in and helping them, and and 
you know, what, what else can you ask for? I mean, Brandon, I, it's, it's just, I don't know. It makes, it makes me really proud to, to be a part of this whole thing. Yeah. I mean, it was fundamental in, in, in my, you know, success so far and it continues to be so. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, I just want to encourage everybody uh, who has listened to, to please come and leave a comment on the show notes. Uh, also, make sure to leave some encouragement for these guys. I mean, ideas, encouragement, any questions you've got, uh, you know, they'll be around to, to answer them, to, to communicate with you. You could check out the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 25. That's biggerpockets.com slash show 25. And uh, finally, if you aren't a close uh, member of the community, uh, we, we once again want to invite you to jump into the conversations that are happening every day on the forums at biggerpockets.com slash forums. Uh, make sure you introduce yourself to the community in the new member introductions, like we said in the quick tip. Quick tip. And uh, uh, let us know who you are. And uh, finally, come connect with us over at Facebook at facebook.com slash biggerpockets. And until next time, this is Joshua Dorkin. Signing off. You son of a... <laughs> You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio. Simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. You're to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com. Your home for real estate investing online. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.